morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about going back to in-person games. Sounds good. Getting... We were kind of iffy on the title. It's a Saul <laughs> episode. Oh, get ready for some deep thoughts, people. <laughs> Incredibly deep. We're getting to the point where more and more people are vaccinated, and at least here in the Bay Area, most of my friends are getting to the point where they're fully vaccinated, they call it. It's either 10 or 14 days after your your second dose of the Moderna or the Pfizer one and the J&J one. I think people are still kind of apprehensive. Taking precautions? Taking precautions, and I want to jump the gun. And that's just the way it is. But I think what's funny is uh, Cowie uh, asked if, if we wanted to go to her house the next uh, time we meet to play the One Ring, and nobody has responded <laughs> to that specific question i think people are a little nervous i'm sure there's people out there that aren't nervous about anything but right. here in the bay area where there's a lot of people six million i believe it's always interesting to figure out how comfortable you are with stuff recently my workplace we just reopened for people to go back into work we did all the county stuff that we had to do and almost everybody is vaccinated and double vaccinated but it's still really weird to go to your workplace. <laughs> Unlike Saul, who's been had to go to his workplace the whole time. Now it's like you look at people going, I don't know where you've been or I don't know who you've been with. And I'm a little nervous about, you know, breathing your air. So Breathing your air. So you're coming back out of this COVID isolation, mainly playing online. If you don't play online, I don't know how you're playing, but most people don't want to play with you. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a pandemic. At around a table. So we've been doing a lot of role-playing. All our role-playing has been done online. And though that's been fun and it's exciting and we will continue to do that because obviously we have friends and family that do not live even close to us. I think we've discussed that we have a couple, a person in Florida. No, we don't have a person in Florida. Texas. Texas. Uh, we have Oregon, Washington. And my one of my friends in a couple of my friends still live in my hometown, which is not prohibitively far away, 60 miles. We used to do that all the time. But there's no point in going 60 miles just to be with three of us and then other people have to pipe in via the Internet. Getting back together, what do we find? What are we going to find when we get back together? Or what are we looking forward to, I think, is a better, yes. better question. So for me... I broke it down into kind of certain different things. The first one is the social aspects and just being in close proximity to each other, I think has its, we're social creatures. We, we talk about that ever since we've gone into this pandemic thing, that it's not normal for us to be isolated. I can't imagine people who, who live by themselves or just live like with their roommate or something. The whole having not being around other people right. is pretty bad. That is, how we are we like to go to people's houses we like sharing meals we like doing all kinds of things together playing games and i think we do miss that we being with somebody being able to punch them in the arm when they have a good i don't know, know about the punching them in an arm <laughs> but i know that it will be good to have a role-playing game around a table so that you can have snacks and share snacks with people and well that was the second thing is that not only is there po close proximity where you're able to see and and uh, notice their body language easier instead of on the camera and their facial expressions sometimes 
and their voice, you know, they, they have a certain cadence and they sound a certain way. There's the sharing of food, right? We talked about snacks and how when we go to Cowie's place, she usually has a really nice spread of snacks and very good food, tasty, unbelievably so. So I think that's something else. I mean, I think almost any group, however, wherever you come from, uh, sharing meals is important. It's an important part of community. It's an important part of society. And when you're gaming, you usually have snacks. Sometimes people have a, a lunch break and they share a meal and stuff. And I think that's just something that we miss altogether. Jolene, recently we all been uh, just past our threshold for double vaccinated in our household. Another family that's friends of ours for a long time that Jolene was just aching to just, let's go just have a meal with them outside somewhere. So we did. And it was really neat. And you could tell that, that they missed that. And that we obviously we missed it too. And it is important. It's just, it was just a meal. It was like, well, who cares? You could eat a meal and just look at each other, look at each other on the, on the, on the monitor, but it's not quite the same. So that's more just like social aspects that we miss and that we we will obviously appreciate when we start gaming together again. What about playing though? Players. What, what are players going to miss? As a player, I miss maps. Right, physical maps. Actual figures and not tokens. Fiz, fiz, fi, figures and not tokens. Uh, even though we got we got pretty creative of making tokens, and we could make a token for almost anything, any picture we could find on the internet. People could draw their own token and stuff like that. And I think it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool, but full solid three D three D figure on your on a table. It's just just it look. It's different. That you pick up and move on the map. Right. On that map, on that battle map, or if you have one. Terrain, if some people are really into terrain. Now, I'm not. Saul's never been into terrain. Because I don't like making terrain and then, what is it? Uh, then you have to store it. Storing the terrain. But some people really are, they, especially if they play, like, dungeons or they have, like, uh, there's all kinds of terrain coming out on Kickstarter. and It's a big and thing. Stuff. It's a huge. It's huge. And I think it's going to stay huge and become bigger thing because people love love collecting and and it just there's this one that i, I almost kickstarted but it's just like it it just wasn't you know i don't know i wasn't sure how often i would use it but it looks fantastic right it snaps together you can make different size rooms it has doors it has scenery like little treasure chest to me more like a a dungeon delve type of game but it could be used for an investigative game or something like that but i thought it'd be it just looked pretty neat really neat basically adding to the theater of the mind right Yes. Adding tactileness to your yeah images and, in your brain. And if like if you're like me who's not the very good at theater of the mind, it does help me when I can see a figure, it does help me when I see a map. I've always when we gone to conventions they have they would have especially at Kubicon, somebody had the Dwarven Forge just like I forget how much that thing was worth, like three thousand dollar set. Because it was like ten sets and they're all three hundred dollars a piece. And it was huge, right? So this person would map up a whole dungeon. And I think I think Larry DiTilio ran a dungeon through that. It was like a guest dungeon master years years ago, obviously. And it looked like a lot of fun. You would have to like sign up to play in that game. And I was, the list was always long and I never was on the... Never ne- made it. Never made it to cut. But it looked really fascinating. It looked really interesting. And now they have alternatives to Dungeon Forge because Dungeon Forge was like cast in some sort of like 
heavy. It wasn't cement, but it was like plasterish type stuff, and it was really heavy, and obviously very difficult to make. And now there, you know, there's 3D laser printer cut stuff, and and what do you call that? The 3D printed stuff. You can print 3D print your own. And resin isn't as as heavy, or right, right. And it's made out, some of it's made out of plastic and stuff. Interesting stuff. I think it looks neat. I think a lot of players really like that kind of uh, feel. Players like their character sheets their p- character sheets on paper they like the tactile feel of being that's really- why it's called a tabletop role-playing game yes, or a is. pen and paper role-playing game pen and paper or pencil and paper you want pencil so you can erase stuff but right. you, you haven't even gotten to the best part yet the dice well that's still oh yeah dice so we uh, we mentioned it in many episodes that people like chucking dice so just being able to Get your favorite. Beautiful. I don't like the term chucking dice because it sounds like they're going to throw it across the table at you. Well, that's some people do. <laughs> some people like that. You know that you know they get the handful of dice or whatever dice it is, or whatever amount, and they just they just roll it. Somebody who painted that miniature that you're just hurling your those dice toward <laughs> uh, doesn't appreciate. But it's funny, right? When when people get excited and they throw their dice and or even if they have a dice tray, yeah. They're so excited, they just, pshoom, the dice go flying out. Probably not as funny but as it should be, but I think it is. But I think that shows the enthusiasm that people have in playing games. I mean, I think that's why people love playing games with dice, is that they love that aspect, that physical aspect of, of throwing the dice. And, and at the same time, it's fate. How will fate treat you? People who, who go to casinos, they blow on the dice before they roll them. There's all this... Uh, I don't know what you call it, but rituals? this rituals dealing with dice and, and superstitions. Some people, supersti- and some people have, you know, believe in them more than others. But I think all people who chuck dice in a role playing game have some sort of ritual. The way they shake the dice, the way if they use a dice roll, uh, uh, what is it, a can or a, a little, little cup. cup, dice cup. Uh, how they how they roll the dice? I remember somebody complained about they didn't like the way you roll the dice, Jolene. That you roll them one at a time, right? Because <laughs> just roll them all at the same time. You're like, no, <laughs> like you're damaged dice or something. Anyway, so there's obviously this this aura of whatever it is attached to rolling dice in physical form. So the GM, the GM, I think has has a pretty cool way of uh, of dealing with players who change it up on them right so when you're playing online i was talking to jolene when you're playing online usually you have a you make a, an encounter map and and it takes time to make an encounter map online right especially if you're adding trees and this and that and just building the map by yourself or uh, i guess you could quickly find one that'll fit and download it and put it onto your virtual tabletop but that takes a little bit of time where if you are in a in a physical game, the GM, I was telling Jolene, if, if, if the GM, GM was thinking they're going to go onto a boat on this high seas, he has a you know he has his drawn map of a, of a boat, but then they, they decide to go to the desert. Oh, but you know you have your trusty pins, your water based pins. You know you have your your uh, your battle mat. Your battle mat. <laughs> quickly draw a. Uh, a map of, then you can have the the discussion around the table of which directions are and where you are and how big those rocks are and all that kind of stuff right right, right. and and i think uh, i think it's easier to change on the fly then online they have the same thing like on roll 20 where you can draw on the map yes but like a whiteboard that's really really hard 
Well, I actually have developed a way of doing it. I'm pretty good at drawing stuff, but not as well as I would be with uh, with a pen in my hand. Just, just not possible. Though some people do. So I've seen artists on the computer. But those are like special tools and stuff. Yeah. And they're artists, so I, I can't compare myself to them. <laughs> no, definitely no. not. <laughs> Rolling dice in the open. Yeah, I think jo- uh, Jolene. I think GMs like that. I think GMs like being able to see just in case there's a little doubt in their mind that somebody's not cheating. <laughs> it just really, it's, it's, you know, there's all, I don't know. I know I trust my players all the time you know i have no problem with that but everyone sometimes they're just like really lucky right i'm like damn that's like the that's the fifth time in a row he's rolled this or that right but you do the same thing online you roll the dice where people can see you yeah yeah but the online dice some people complain about (laughs) that they yes that's true about the algorithms or whatever you were saying oh my god and that's always a big complaint well just the other day i was listening to another podcast and they're using uh, fantasy grounds, and they say that that dice roller is—they can't say the word—is crap. Is not, but that's not the word they use. He goes, "That is the worst dice roller," and they all agreed, the players and the GM. And I'm like, "Wow," because I, I don't use fantasy grounds. We use the Roll Twenty app, and even the Roll Twenty app though sometimes gives you some. Like I forget who it was. Was it Felipe or Mike? I think maybe. Oh, you weren't playing. But they like three people in a row rolled the rolled the dice roller, and it was the same number. And we're doing percentile dice. It was like twenty three, and like the like That's three people three, three people in a row rolled twenty three. So like we're like all looking at each but other. But as a general rule, when you're rolling in roll twenty, at least it's the same as if you're rolling at a regular table because half the time the person does really good, half the time they don't do good, and and. Basically, you can tell, and it's usually the same day they do really good, or the next the next encounter that you have, they lose, they do really bad, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of odd, you know. It's just, but that happens in that happens in normal normal dice, dice rolling. And this is, people have talked, gone to extreme measures as to punish their dice for not. Yes, rolling they well. are dice. There are dice jails. Yes, there are dice jails. That's pretty cool. Uh, we talked about that before, but it's funny that people whether it's physical dice or computer dice with a, that are that have a logarithm to go with them, um, people Which, are going to complain about the dice roll one way or the other. I remember I forget what game it was, but we were playing a game and someone was complaining about. I gotta check out see what logarithm they use to figure out this dice roller because and it's true it's it's very hard to write a very random dice generator. Uh, there's different methods. I have no idea what they are, but I've I've heard people talk about it, and of course, it made my eyes glaze over when they're talking about probabilities and what you can do to change it and blah blah blah. But ugh. but anyway, yeah. So physical dice. I think the, the even the GM appreciates uh, rolling dice when if when they roll it or or even being able to see the dice as they become as they come tumbling onto the the mat or the table. I think just people just love looking at dice and, and seeing the results and then the results where much like when we, why we like, why we like dice rollers online where we all can see them, we see the roll. Uh, it's that, that triumph and that, the well, agony of defeat. <clears throat> I just remember when we were playing alien with Morgan and I remember a comment that he made, we were, <laughs> he didn't, he was rolling offline 
while we were rolling online oh, yeah. because he didn't want us to see how many dice the alien actually had, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious because all of us, we knew it was an alien, right? So we knew that it was going to have a lot of dice. You're not going to be able to, to kill the alien. You're just lucky if you get away, right? Yeah, I, I forgot why exactly he said that was a... He said it? It, would, it, would, it would cause us to be Scared? disheartened or, you know, like... <laughs> I don't know if that's the term. It's alien. We were freaking disheartened already. We were already, you know, panicked, and we knew we were going to die. Most of us, anyway. (laughs) That's. I forgot about that. You're right. He was. He wasn't rolling in the open, and he was. uh, And that was what he said. He didn't want us to know how how badass the alien. Well, we already knew they were badass, right? Uh, I mean, the players, not necessarily the characters. The characters had no idea what these monsters were. So in a real game, or not a real game, a real game. In, in a in a physical game where you're all at the table, you would know unless unless the GM had a a screen. Screen, the famous. Then GM you would screen. hear all those dice hitting the table, right? <laughs> we could yeah. hear the dice hitting on his desk anyway. But yeah, because he was using physical dice. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But we couldn't tell how many dice he was rolling. No. But we knew it was more than two. And we knew it was an alien, so we didn't have much of a chance anyway. So, but I, I can understand his his idea that if if he saw if we saw on roll twenty how many dice he actually was rolling, which was like probably thirty versus no, it was, our it was ten. Like, was well, we rolling that many dice? I don't think so. I don't know. I think he probably was. It was rolling, maybe twelve or thirteen dice or something like that. I don't know. I think it was more. But it was an alien, so you know. It we knew, gets it, was, a lot of we dice. knew it was tough. Yeah. Right. So that's that's another thing is GM screens because you don't really have that on roll twenty. The GM can roll where you can't see it. <laughs> the GM doesn't need one on roll twenty. Yeah. Yes. Or any uh, virtual table. Yeah. I think we we really do like seeing those dice hit the table and and the bouncing of the dice and all this other stuff, the clacking of the dice. It's all it's all part of the experience. Yeah. I think they even mimic that on uh, Roll20, but it takes a lot of uh, resources. Yeah, I never use the 3D 3D. thing because it just slows my computer down. Yeah, and if somebody else has that on and they they don't have a nice computer, which I'm sure your your new laptop laptop can handle it. Right, because my my computer handled it, but I know that like we have one one of our friends plays on a, a Chromebook. And he says it would take like like thirty seconds for the dice to. He goes, "I don't see any. I don't see the result." And it would it might even crash the system. So, so yeah. So dice are pretty important, both in the obviously in the in any game, but the the physical clacking of dice and stuff. I think it. I don't know something about it. Well, the same with cards because there's some games that have cards, right? And yes. and we've done the cards on roll twenty, which is always an experience. Bay, I think, figured it out, but. You have to be able to deal it to the people and every either you make it so everybody can see it or the person has to figure out how to see it if everybody can't see it, right? Right. Different and, things like that. And there's some games that are more more and more games are utilizing dice. I mean the cards. Cards in, in the role playing aspects. And it would be real difficult to to do that online unless you bought unless one, if the package was available that you could buy, probably a lot of them aren't since they're probably small published pub, publisher games and two trying to make your own would be really difficult so a lot of times you would just convert the a regular playing deck right into whatever you needed to we roll. did that with the lindworm but it was actually a regular playing deck anyway that yes. we were using for it they did it that on purpose yes because they could easily had their own special deck that would uh 
be easier, but they basically use a regular playing card deck. Because they figure everybody has one. Right. At least everyone used to have one. I don't know if everybody has one now. Well, we used to have like five different sets of playing cards. Though. I don't know where they're at. They're still in our... Well, I, I just found one that was unopened. <laughs> we, the problem was my son, he likes to, to play with the playing cards, but then he would lose the playing cards. And, and not pick them up and uh, crunch them and yeah. under his chair. He's older now, though, so it's not a, not a big deal. So he hasn't been playing with cards lately, mainly because we took them away from him. Because <laughs> the last deck he used, I went to do something with it, and I'm like, "There's n- all the cards aren't here." I know that was. A d- <laughs> yeah, that's right. What are you trying to play solitaire or something? I think so. And then like it didn't have like the queen or this and uh-huh. the. King well, where's of that. the where's the cards? That's, I don't know. I lost them. But we still have a couple unused decks in, yes. the, in the in our closet. So physical game, so that's the GM. Both players and the GM like the clacking the dice and rolling of the dice and seeing how the dice, seeing the dice results, that shared experience of seeing the dice results. And in person, it's even better because you're all at the same table. Right. I think physical games for a while, like before the pandemic, they seemed more important than online games. And this this comes from one of my friends, Shannon, who has been playing was playing online games before the pandemic, obviously. And uh, and he had a lot of experience because he would play with strangers and he would play with people outside his uh, normal group because he was playing, wanted to play games and run games. And maybe uh, the people we know in the Bay Area, in the greater Bay Area, weren't interested in the game or it was just a hassle to get everybody together. So he would run a lot of games and play a lot of games. And he noticed that before the pandemic, at least, a lot of people took online games. Not as seriously. Not as serious as in-person games. And he would constantly, that was one of his biggest beefs because he was, he, he liked running really, what is it? Like you like playing, running Call of Cthulhu and Pendragon. And Pendragon. And these games, in especially when you're running longer campaign style games, it's very important to to stay in that feeling of the game, right? To be in the moment of, of the continuity, uh, yeah, that and the and the and to be invested in the world that you're playing in. And when somebody mysteriously can't make it, kind of throws off that whole Jim Bob can't make it to the Call of Cthulhu game, even though you, when you guys left off, you guys were on a plane flying from from New York to Egypt, and you're like, well, what happens when we get there? Well. He gets sick. You know, you have to make up some weird thing why that character isn't around or whatever. So he was really bummed out when people would flake on him and and he really had a problem with that. But for an example, he started running the Pendragon, the great Pendragon campaign online. And that was about three years ago. And he was able to keep a lot of the players together. So they were all able to keep playing. And uh game has lasted three years and i think he's almost finished playing that campaign so it's not unheard of that games would would last online but for the most part before the pandemic a lot of people viewed them as oh that's like an extra game or that's that's a game that's it not wasn't as important. as important right they would just them. drop it right not, not show up it was easy to flake on those games yeah. but once the pandemic hit and it became like the one if not the only way to play games i think people got more serious and i what i know i also noticed is that for for us as a group we became more more willing to let go of our inhibitions as far as 
the role playing aspects. A lot of the times we don't you talk in character. At we weren't talking in character. We wouldn't try to use accents. But as the pandemic wore on and we were online more and playing more, people because it seemed not as I don't know what you call it. You weren't putting yourself out there because physically you weren't there. You were just a face on the screen, so you could talk in a weird accent. And if you sounded stupid or fun or funny when you weren't intending to, it didn't really matter. So I think, at least in our group, quite a few of our players were willing to to get in character. So I think when we come together in in-person games, I hope that that kind of behavior stays. Right, that we become more and more willing to role play in the in the in-person sessions. I don't know some of those accents that. Mike and Felipe made were not necessarily. The important thing is that they were trying. I think that's what I'm getting at. Whether they were good at it or not. I know. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying. I that. know. I know. Doing a, a Scottish accent to use is uh, what is it? Uh, Horrible. Blasphemy because you you know what those accents sound like because you watch a lot of British television and you look. We like a lot of. We watch a lot of British television and we like a lot of British shows. And that includes, uh, what is it, uh, Scottish shows, Irish shows, and all these other shows and that where people have accents. So we can even discern different types. Well, you can, me, not so much. Uh, and to the point where you don't even hear accents if it's not really thick. Sip said that that when we, when we interviewed Paul Michener that he had a really thick accent. And I go, <laughs> he had an accent? That's exactly it. Because you watch so much television, uh Especially well, British not only that, and you're exposed to, to different accents too. And you just don't hear it, right? Or you just don't hear it, and you understand it. That I has could, a lot to do with being around Joseph for I a could, long time. Yes, <laughs> I could tell he had an accent, but I in no way thought that it was thick, and no way did I have a it hard time it understanding was, yeah. him. So yeah, so it just to, to goes to show you that that Sip has a lot less exposure to accents than we do. But then again, that's not true. He watches rugby. He he hears all the accents. Yeah, but that that's to, not as much as yeah. I mean, how much rugby do we watch in the United States, or can we watch in the United States? Where well, now there's quite a bit, but that it originates from from England or other countries, because they have rugby in the United States, but they're United States announcers and stuff. But it was funny that uh, me and you both go, "What are you talking about, Sip? We haven't talked to him yet." But he did mention it uh, online, and we were just looking at each other, going, "What is he talking about?" Because Paul Michener is a college professor and it kind of like that whole idea of, of the California accent, right? We're in California. Supposedly California has an accent though. We don't, we don't believe we do mainly because we're it's heavily influenced by Hollywood and stuff like that. Supposedly there's all kinds of reasons for it, but supposedly we don't know. We're not the speech experts or whatever, but we don't think we have an accent. We think we speak the proper American English? accent, English or whatever you want to call it. We don't. We we know how to say park and car. We don't put R in wash and wash and stuff like that. So it depends on where you are in California on that one. <laughs> we exclude. We don't include Bakersfield in that in that in that statement. But so we we hear accents even here in the United States from people from different parts of the country. I f I forget who it was. So oh. I've gone on this tirade because he thinks it's important for people to role play in <laughs> in the game. Well, yeah, it's true. But it was funny that like, you were still, it's still funny that he thought that he couldn't understand him because of his accent. He just said it was thick. That's all. Yeah. And then he kind of didn't understand him, I think. Okay. <laughs> but it's not just accents. 
it's playing in character that right. you're talking about yes. like like felipe his honey badger he yes. talks like well he's a honey badger so it's <laughs> it's a gamma world but she talks like a honey badger girl a girl honey badger whatever yes. that would sound like in your head that's what felipe tries to do <laughs> and some of our friends are better at it than others like uh, jim with his spanky character talking like a little kid yes. was pretty funny that was for and he stayed in character a long time which was pretty cool, I thought. Except the, the character's voice was a little annoying. So, <laughs> Well, Felipe used that... Um, remember he used that voice changer to try to talk <laughs> deeper? <laughs> he said, but we couldn't understand him because we were online. So, I mean, people do lots well, of we stuff. Laughing so Saul too. is right because, <laughs> you know, you can try... People try different things. I think, yeah, he, I forgot what character that was. I don't know, but... but he sounded like one of those people who wanted a ransom from the FBI. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I can't even mimic it because it was so funny. But you know what I mean. He did it because he used a voice changer. Yeah, so. and it was, that, it was literally that, yeah. I want $100,000 in unmarked Meet bills. me at the park at yeah. 3 o'clock. No police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I think most of us are excited to get back to in-person playing. I don't think all of us are going to quit playing online, mainly because Paul Minchner said it when he was uh, when we interviewed him. He was saying that he has friends in different parts of the country. He plays games. I think one well, was there's in, even someone one, in the United States that plays. Yeah, and in and, Canada, yeah, right? And yeah. so when you have that ability to play with anybody in, in the world, as long as you're able to get up and manage the time differences. Yeah. And it's easy, right? When we do interviews with people in England, we as we have been lately, we get up early and do the interview in the morning and they're up in the afternoon and it, a game would be basically the same way. And we did interviews with people in um, New Zealand. New Zealand. That was a weird one because he was like a day ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. And it was like nighttime for him and morning for us or something like that. And uh, but you can Christopher do that. too, right? Yes. Christopher was in, in Singapore, Singapore yeah. which I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> so I go, man, that's far away. That's on the other side of the world. Yes, dear. So I think we're all excited about going back and playing in person. I think there's some things, certain things that we really miss. Social aspects. Uh, social of aspects. Being in the same room with people. Right. And that's one of the things we miss. We miss uh, being able to see the dice. We miss the miniatures. We miss the physical stuff. And hopefully with the, the added, uh, what is it, the, our group at least, uh, we are more willing to do some uh, role playing. Uh, with accents and, and staying in character longer and stuff. I think uh, hopefully when we get back to the table, that'll. Unfortunately for Saul, the people that are willing to do that don't live here, so he's going right. to have to do that online still. Yes, yes. Well, maybe I can push the people who we play in person with. There you go. Play. Give, give it the more RP. So there's some ideas for. What was it called? Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, getting back in person games or something back to in person games. What did you say at the beginning? I don't remember. Don't remember. <laughs> well, we'll call it something or other, and when we do find out what we call it, we'll tell you. <laughs> so there you go. Have fun. Stay safe. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>